There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. It's Thursday, December 15th. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, brought to you by Steamfitters Local 602. Get an estimate and learn more at steamfitters-602.org. Hospitals in our area are struggling to keep up with increasing respiratory patients amid a mounting nurse staff shortage. Today, city officials are meeting with the D.C. Hospital Association to figure out whether a legislative move could help at all. WTOP Scott Gelman tells us some COVID-era considerations are really not on the table. A public health emergency is not something that is currently being considered. Now, after this meeting today, if that's something that comes out of it, I mean, of course, that's probably subject to change. And should we all pull out our masks again? Dr. Glenn Wortman, chief of infectious diseases at MedStar Washington Hospital Center, tells us we're in a different place than we were last December. But one thing may be the same as it was at last year's holiday party. We're back to the same message we've been talking about the last couple of years. In crowds, consider wearing a mask. Thanks for joining us. I'm Luke Garrett. And I'm Megan Cloherty. A perfect storm. That's how D.C.'s Deputy Mayor of Health and Human Services described our region's healthcare system. Between staff shortages and a jump in respiratory illnesses, wait times at local ERs are up significantly. So much so that Deputy Mayor Wayne Turnage and other officials are meeting with the D.C. Hospital Association today to talk about whether the government should step in to help struggling medical centers. WTOP Scott Gelman has been following this story and joins us now. Scott, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks as always for having me. So, Scott, what have you been hearing from D.C. officials? How bad is it out there? Yeah, so there are a series of things, as it was explained to us, that basically are contributing to what you described there in the open as a perfect storm. And so the first is a a staffing shortage that Wayne Turnage explains started before the pandemic and has become worse as a result of the pandemic, particularly mm-hmm. among nurses. The second thing is hospital crowding and long wait times, part of which is due to what he explained was people visiting local hospital emergency rooms for pretty mundane or non-severe emergency things. Mm. And the last thing, and and the third, is what you were talking about a second ago, which is the rise in respiratory illnesses. And a year ago at this time, we were talking about Omicron and almost exclusively COVID. But here we are in in 2022, soon to be 2023, and we're talking about COVID, RSV, flu, colds, and everything else that seems to be going around right now. I spoke really briefly to a spokesperson for the D.C. Hospital Association, um, and she was saying that they have a meeting today with D.C. officials to kind of figure things out. But she gave this, I don't know, I mean, maybe this is just my impression, but she was like, we don't know how it's going to go. I mean, it's not like it's like this is the plan and this is we're going to execute the plan. It kind of seems like it's a meeting of, gosh, we are really in a place right now. What what do we do about it? Have you heard anything about what this meeting is going to entail today? So it was explained to us earlier this week as looking at possible policy or legislative options to facilitate some of the problems that are going on in D.C. area hospitals. Right. Um, I, we asked specifically if there are any examples. Um, the one option is Mayor Miro Bowser moving uh, legislation to try to address this. I asked if there had been anything in place to incentivize doctors and nurses to come work here in D.C. Hmm. It seems like D.C. Health has toyed with and 
offer different options, like, for example, making possible the opportunity to hire nurses and, and other medical workers who are not licensed in D.C. temporarily. Uh, but we don't really have a clear indication as what exactly is going to come out of this meeting. It seems uh, very broad and very loose. But one thing we did learn earlier this week, um, and, and again, subject to change, of course, but Deputy D.C. Health Director Sharon Lewis told us that the, uh, declaring a public health emergency is off the table. And as we've huh. reported previously, public health emergencies are just a formality to give hospitals the opportunity to do things like suspending elective surgeries and going ahead and hiring folks who may not be licensed to work in D.C. Why is it off the table then? You would think that that would be, really help them out. You would. But the, the quote from Sharon Lewis earlier this week was a public health emergency is not something that is currently being considered. Now, after this meeting today, right. if that's something that comes out of it. I mean, of course, that's probably subject to change. But as of Tuesday of this week, that was not something that was on the table. I remember during COVID um, when there was such a difficulty in finding enough workers, especially because the staffing, like the, the hours were so much longer than they already are. Mm. Um, they were talking about that exact thing, like pulling in nurses where you don't have to have a license in Maryland or in D.C. Like maybe you're a retired nurse who's licensed in Massachusetts or something. But, hey, we could use you. Um, I guess I'm bringing that up because they have crossed this bridge before. It's not like this is the first right. time we're talking about, hey, let's pull in More a nurses. bunch of, of nurses. Yeah. Um, so maybe that facilitates a faster decision today. We'll see. Yeah. And, you know, there's this current issue right now. Hospitals have long wait times. Um, but there's also a longer term issue, like Megan just alluded to. You know, nurse shortages aren't a new thing. Do you think there'll be solutions to this long-term problem, or is this meeting just for like a specific right now we're struggling? Yeah, I mean, the, the meeting seems to be for a, a right now point in time, figuring out how to move forward. But the interesting thing that was described earlier this week, too, is when you talk about a backlog of hospital workers, we talk about a shortage of nurses, then all of a sudden you have longer wait times when an ambulance pulls up to the ER, and then all of a sudden there are fewer ambulances on the road mm -hmm. to be able to respond to emergencies. And so this is pretty exclusively a hospital problem right now, but it's very clear to understand how this could intersect with several other points of uh, hospital care, medical care throughout the city. Scott, can you talk about in your reporting, you were mentioning that uh, Governor Hogan in Maryland uh, has kind of provided some like a relief package, if you will, to get things started there to recruit more nurses. Um, can you explain what that is and if they could possibly do that in D.C.? Yeah, it's a $25 million investment to help with both an increased number of beds that hospitals can have and secondarily to try to incentivize different workers that, that come and work in the state can be done in D.C., can be done in Virginia, um, has been done all over the country. But the wow. bottom line is I think we've learned that healthcare workers before the pandemic and now in, in this moment in time, a couple of years in, are, are burnt out, exhausted and are at a point in time where there's not a million, millions, hundreds, there's not a dollar amount that might consider, you know, have them consider coming back to work in a hospital at this point in time. Well, Scott, we know you'll be following along with this story. Thank you for bringing us what you know so far. Yeah, thank you both for having me. And after the break, we talked to one of our region's leading infectious disease doctors to better understand how we can get through the season without getting sick. Backed by the experience of its hardworking members, Steamfitters Local 602 is ready to take on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project. Steamfitters Local 602 adds value to our community through its partnerships with local contractors and building owners, all while keeping the focus on improving the lives of its members and their families throughout the DMV. For work that's on time and on budget, go to steamfitters-602.org to schedule your next project. That's steamfitters-602.org. 
Steamfitters Local 602, changing lives. Explain your DNA on, on 10 cases, man. You're inside the police interrogation room with the alleged Potomac River rapist. I'm not guilty on any of this stuff. So calm, so reasonable. Could this be the man who terrorized women for nine years before murdering a brilliant scientist two decades ago? Experience one of the most fascinating true crime podcasts available. Join crime reporter Paul Wagner for Unknown Subject, season three of WTOP's American Nightmare series. Search American Nightmare Podcast on all podcast platforms. People are showing up to hospitals and waiting into the next day before they're receiving care. As we just heard from Scott Gelman, it's so bad that the D.C. government is actually considering action with hospitals who are short-staffed. And as we're all noticing, more and more people are getting sick with respiratory illnesses. To get a better sense of what's really happening on the ground here and what we can do about it, we bring in Dr. Glenn Wartman, Chief of Infectious Diseases at MedStar Washington Hospital Center, one of the largest medical networks here in our area. Dr. Wartman, thank you so much for being here. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. So first things first, why are so many people getting sick right now? What's happening? You know, it's a, it's a convergence of three viruses. So it's flu season. Uh, we've been lucky the last couple of years. We haven't had much flu but this year we're seeing flu pretty hard as compared to the last couple of years. Yeah. COVID is starting to come back a little bit. And then we also have RSV, respiratory syncytial virus, which is especially hard in the pediatric population. And we know that obviously kids get RSV and pass it around like crazy, but adults can get RSV as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So tell us, is there a breakdown here? Are you seeing more flu, more RSV, or is it sort of just you can't really even keep track? There's just so much. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's a mix. Um, traditionally, we've not tested for RSV in adults. It's not part of our testing algorithm. We test for flu. We test for COVID. Um, so there's probably more RSV in adults than we recognize. But in general, it mostly flu is what we're seeing right now, mm -hmm. followed by COVID, followed by some RSV. And so let's say, um, hypothetically, like I'm visibly ill, how would I determine what illness I have to best, you know, step forward and move forward? You know, you really can't, and I can't tell them apart. Wow. Um, it, they oh look my the gosh. same. Yeah. You know, you have a runny nose, you have a headache, you're coughing, you may have a sore throat. Oof. The symptoms all overlap. Wow. They're upper respiratory tract infections. They all look about the same. And they're all contagious. Correct. Yep. You know, people are going to want to know, how how can I avoid this? You know, what, what can I do to stop getting it? And mm. it's the traditional things. If you've not been vaccinated, this is a great time. Um, it's never too late to get your flu vaccine. It's never too late to get your Omicron booster, the bivalent booster. Um, at least you can help protect yourself against those two viruses. Can I ask what is probably a dumb question, but I wonder if other people have this dumb question. Go for if it. If you are vaccinated for the flu and for COVID, is there a potential that you're warning off possibly RSV? Like, you know what I mean? I've protected myself as much as I can. How could I still be getting sick? Yeah, it, those two vaccines won't protect you against RSV, unfortunately. Their flu will protect for flu. COVID will protect for COVID. We don't have a vaccine for RSV right now. So, um, but protections in general during respiratory, to avoid all respiratory tract infections, mm -hmm. they're spread person to person. So we're back to the same message we've been talking about the last couple of years. In crowds, consider wearing a mask, um, trying to avoid crowds, which is tough this time of year. We're really trying to, you know, it's the holiday season. Right. But, you know, certainly really crowded areas, 
your risk is going to go up if you're in those areas, especially without a mask. Mm. So if I'm a healthy person and I'm, you know, going into this holiday season, should I just be taking any other extra precautions? I mean, mask wearing, uh, communicating with my family and friends, that sort of stuff? Staying away from children? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think one other thing you could consider, if you're going to visit elderly relatives, um, people with, with health care, health conditions, you could consider doing a home COVID test. You know, that's the one test you can do at home. Mm. You don't have a home test for flu or RSV, but you could do a COVID test before you go see an elderly relative. Mm -hmm. Um, And at least that's one virus you could say, okay, I don't have that. Right. And just yesterday, the government made those free so you can get those mailed to your house now. Um, You know, to help us calibrate this moment we are in how does it relate to last holiday season when Omicron was really skyrocketing? Yeah, yeah. last year was pretty bad with the Omicron, Omicron surge. Um, there are some new COVID variants that are, are going around now. Um, you know, we're just going to have to see where, where those go. It's hard, you know, like Yogi Berra said, it's hard to make predictions, especially about the future. Um, <laughs> so we're just not quite sure how much those are going to take off. The important thing with those is our traditional monoclonal antibodies don't work against these new variants. So we've lost one of our therapeutic options. But fortunately, Paxlovid still works. Molnupiravir still works. So the pills that you can take still work against the new variants. Could you tell us, and this is another kind of anecdotal question, but um, I just feel like we've been doing these stories about how slammed hospitals are how difficult it's been for healthcare workers, regardless of if you're in a hospital or maybe an urgent care center, a, p- a pediatrician's office. Can you just let people know your experience for what you've seen maybe in the last couple of weeks for just how busy it is? Yeah. So my hospital, we don't take care of children here. So we're a little bit different because we're not seeing that big RSV surge. Mm. Uh, children's hospital is just across the street from now, from us. And I know they're extremely busy with RSV. Uh, Here at the hospital center, we are seeing an uptick in flu and in COVID, uh, but it's manageable. And, you know, the last compared, especially compared to the last couple of years, um, it's very manageable compared to 2020 and 2021. I was going to say that's probably thrown off your barometer so much (laughs) that now this seems (laughs) like it's normal. Um, Not to make light of it at all, because if you're headed to the ER and you don't feel well, you're you're really not doing well. So, uh, doctor, we really appreciate your time kind of shedding some light on this and maybe just getting back to basics and letting us know. Okay, you know, maybe it's time to consider the mask again. Dr. Mormon, thank you. Okay, thank you so much. Bye bye. And before we go, Megan and I have something in common. We have a couple things. (laughs) That's true. One of them is (laughs) we're both generational cuspers. What do I mean by that? We both were born in years very close to a separation year between generations. For Megan, it's Gen X mm-hmm. and Millennials. And mm-hmm. for me, it's Millennials and Gen Z. Yes. And the reason we bring this up is because there's a quiz that could help me with my existential generational question, <laughs> which is, am I Millennial or am I Gen Z? The Washington Post released a cringe quiz, I think it's called. Yep. Where, uh, you know, they uh, test your Gen Z-ness. Yeah, they say, are you fluent in Gen Z office speak? This came out a couple days ago, and people are talking about it. And I'm going to take the test because I need some answers. Because who am I? it doesn't make sense. Who am I? All right. Number one, <laughs> your Gen Z colleague reacts to something you said with a skull emoji. What is this person likely conveying? You have four options. Okay. Laughter, the end of life. Destruction, Halloween. Laughter. <laughs> that is correct. Yes. 
For Gen Z, known as Zoomers, Such emojis, an ironic generation, emojis don't solely carry a literal meaning. Um, they have an assistant professor who's quoted from the university in the Netherlands. Oh, wow. They're saying that it has a cynical edge. Yes. A lot of this has a cynical edge, Brutal. which I can relate to. Okay, number two. You assign your Gen Z colleague a task on Slack and end the sentence with a period. What's risky about this message? Gen Z hates Slack. Gen Z only reads messages that arrive via email. Gen Z might interpret the period as a more as a mere suggestion versus an assignment. Or Gen Z might interpret the period as a sign of anger or coldness. Yeah, coldness and anger. I'm going to go with that guy. I think that's a thing, too. I, my parents, for example, are like a, the, the generation. Are going to be two generations before me? Yeah. Always put periods at the end of text right? messages. And it's very like, it seems very final. It seems very like. Yeah, I remember up, my, my dad would say like something. he would say like if he made a declaration he'd be like but it up period. Oh yeah, and, you know, like that's like verbally, but that's he how it like, is. Period. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, okay, we'll do one more of these. Uh, da, da, da. Wait, this one was I right? Yeah, you were right. Nice. Okay, cool. Um, I wanted to get one that's harder though. Okay, you send an email to a Gen Z colleague asking the person to complete a task. You add a smiley face emoji at the end of your paragraph. Your Gen Z colleague becomes worried. Why? Number one, your colleague doesn't want more work. Number two, the emoji makes your colleague think something's wrong. Hmm. Number three, the emoji makes your colleague think you're happy, there's more work. And number four, your colleague hates emojis. I was initially thinking it was your colleague doesn't want more work because you're like insinuating like, hmm. this is the beginning and there's more to come or something like oh, that. But uh, I'm just going to go with, I have no idea. The emoji makes your colleague think something's wrong. Gen Z often finds greater nuance in different smiley face emojis than their older counterparts. Wow. The range in smiley faces offers a diversity in the level of enthusiasm a Gen Z person might express in a text-based message. Wow. Dang. There's Okay, so, so I you guess... You thought you were just being nice. Nope. No. Uh -uh. You were being uh, complicated, I guess. Well, I guess that solves it kind of. Oh, or... it says... Basically, it's saying a smiley emoji doesn't emit much enthusiasm and could come across as passive aggressive. Wow. That is really cynical. That's intense. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Like, you're really reading behind that. But So just stay away from emojis, basically. Is I really do not relate to that. Uh, if you send me a smiley face emoji, awesome. That's great. <laughs> send more, please. I could use more of those in my life. There was one more that I thought was weird, and this is it. Because we all know slay. Slay means, like... Killing it. Yeah. Killing it. You're doing great. Um, the wow. The... Nail painting emoji. They oh. respond to something you say with a nail painting emoji. That's like stunting. Like that's that's sick. Okay, I didn't know I that. Think, I, I didn't think. know. I, that. Am I right? I thought it meant like. Well, yeah, it means your colleague is suggesting sass, pettiness, or nonchalant confidence. That's cool. Wow. I'd be like, uh, are you getting your nails done? Like, what? <laughs> Why are you tell me this? Yeah, <laughs> we've work to do. Wow. Okay. Well, I guess I feel more. Yeah, you got them right. Millennial though, even though I got them right. Like, I still feel more millennial and further from those. I think it was a smiley face one. I was like, no. I think we're all getting our Gen Z training. It's it's really, it's mandatory. Yeah, it is. There's there's no getting the away from generation. it. New <laughs> generation. Boom. That'll do it for us today on the DMV Download. We're brought to you by Steamfitters, local 602. Our music is by Real World. Leave us a review and rate our show if you get the chance. And send us a message on social media. Let us know what's going on in your world. You can become a VIP listener at dmvdownload.com. The DMV Download is a product of WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area, 107.7 FM in Virginia, 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland, 
online at WTOP.com and of course on the WTOP News app. Have a great night and we'll see you tomorrow.